Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode one of the Mountain Bike Podcast, and thanks for joining us. My name's Jonathan Lee. I'm with my good friend, Stephen Lewis. What's up, Stephen? How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we're doing this podcast thing. Sounds good. Kind of crazy, eh? <laughs> Long time coming. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, so first of all, it's called the Mountain Bike Podcast because it's about mountain bikes, any any and all, right? And, and we ride a pretty wide range I seem to cover the more pedally side of things. You seem to cover the more gravity side. Is that fair to say? Definitely fair. Yeah, definitely fair. So, um, but we we overlap a good amount there too with uh, with what we like to do. We just feel like, I mean, we want to make an awesome podcast all about mountain biking. And I host a weekly podcast for a company called Trainer Road, my employer, awesome employer by the way. And uh, in fact, they're letting us use their microphones, which is awesome. Thank you, Trainer Road. Yes. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it's called the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast. And on that podcast, it's myself, our head coach, and one of the guys. We just answer people's coaching related questions or cycling and triathlon related questions. And uh, but there's nothing in the mountain bike world that's really good. So in terms of quality, like what people are putting out. So I want to put out something good that's interesting for everybody from the XC guy to all the way down to, or up to downhill and uh, everybody, even fat bike people. So (laughs) even fat bike people, a little bit of everybody. Um, so I guess before we get too far into things, uh, who are we? We should probably tell people who we are. They probably want to know. And probably. So Steven, go ahead and kick it off. Uh, so I'm Steven Lewis, uh, from Reno, Nevada, 33 years old finishing my undergrad in mechanical engineering. I'm a former manager of a local bike shop called Great Basin Bicycles, who happens to be a Cannondale, Yeti, and Pinarella dealer. Um, I'm currently back working in the engineering field. Um, I race enduro, a little bit of cross country when my lungs are feeling good, (laughs) and cyclocross, but we'll get into that joke later. Yeah. (laughs) And that's about it. I'm a Yeti ambassador and... I do some prototype testing from time to time for companies like WTB, but I'm just an all around. You've been riding for years too. Yeah, I've been. I started in BMX when I was nine years old, and long time. Got out of it when I got into cars, and then got older and a little bit overweight, and decided I wanted to get back in shape. And bikes were always fun, and here we are, six years later, and I live for bikes. Yeah, and you're you're. A, I mean, you're a. a you're a pretty big guy. You're how tall? Uh, 5'11 and 208 pounds. So you're 208 pounds. Yeah. And you're, you're a stocky build strong dude. And uh, so you shred going down at speed, but you're also really technically skilled as well. If I could, I'll say that for you. So you don't have to brag about yourself. Um, yeah. So I think that we could get some cool information and, and, and tips and how you'll have some good insight. In other words, on, on even the riding stuff. So um, so yeah, a little bit about me, Jonathan Lee, also from Reno and the, the S this podcast is being recorded in Reno cause this is where we're from. And I grew up my whole life racing motorcycles. So motocross and I specialized more on the arena cross side of things. Really love that. And I uh, rode at the A class level for a while, gave up motocross and then, uh, on a boy scout troop thing of all things, I was helping out with a boy scout troop and a guy invited me to go ride mountain bikes on the Tahoe flume trail, which if any of you are coming to Tahoe, yeah, cross that one off your list for the views. It's not a like killer ride in terms of riding. It's pretty straight. It's pretty. It's basic. Like I always tell people, it's the most beautiful, boring ride you'll yep. ever 
take yeah. your bike on. The views you are insane. To. If you fall to your left, it would really hurt um, because it's on a steep mountain. But that's that's because you're gonna die. You'd have to really suck to fall on that True. trail. Yeah, it's it's wide and, and smooth. But that's where I I started mountain biking. I tried it once and I just got waxed by this guy that was like he was climbing up and down. I think he climbed four times up to like the midpoint before I even got up. And I was just like walking the bike. It was and that's terrible. from the spooner side going up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody's done it before, that's, that's going from South to North. And then, uh, and then going down, I was like, Oh, this is fun. It feels like a dirt bike. I think I should try this thing. And then I definitely, I got into things and definitely gravitated more toward the XC side of things and the fitness side of things and training and, I mean, I'm, I'm the full on XC nerd that has a power meter and I structure my data or structure all my workouts and I have data, but I also don't suck the fun out of a ride. So, and Steven can attest to that. Absolutely. So I, I do have to say you're geared more towards learning to love the things you hate. So that's probably why you like climbing. Exactly right. Yep. I hated climbing. I thought it was the worst and I was like, well, better learn to love this. So, so yeah. And, and to give people a, like a point of reference, um, for where our abilities are at, uh, last year, so this year I didn't race nationals or, or first son was born right then, you know, missed out on that whole thing. And, uh, but the year before I was fourth, uh, in cat one and the most competitive age group in cat one there at national champs. Um, so in XE, so, uh, next year, my goal is to go for a national championship, uh, back in West Virginia. So that'll be a totally, uh, unique experience, but that's where I sit. So competitive at the national level and state champ, district champ, all that stuff. But, uh, Steven, how about you? A point of reference for people. Uh, 2014, I pretty much, uh, dominated with one other racer in cat one expert. So, uh, right. 19 to 29 in the California Enduro series, which is a legit series, by the way, it's a very good regional series and it's growing leaps and bounds. Um, so that year I placed second. Um, in fact, all we had to do was finish the Santa Cruz super enduro to hold our positions of first and second, (laughs) which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, knowing that we didn't really have any, um, any, uh, need to really push for that race so we could actually enjoy it. And that was my first time riding down there. Um, but after that, you know, school started getting really tough for me. And then my involvement with, um, other things like the junior cycling program here in, in Reno, Reno Devo. That's really kind of how, like we, we met otherwise, but that's really how we, we, we became bros pretty much through the junior team. Yeah. So involvement with all the kids. Yeah. Uh, we work with the Reno Devo team and big group. We have like on Mondays, we have anywhere from like 30 up to we've had like up to 80 kids on a Monday all Which riding bikes. A zoo. It's crazy. crazy. And so when we try to divide ourselves up to to keep all those little those little goats in line. So uh yeah, so we're involved with junior racing too on the whole deal. So we I do some enduro racing too. I did California Enduro series this year round the Battleborn Enduro one here in Reno. Yep. I won a stage. It's good. Awesome. Yeah, it was good. I did not win the race at all, but I won a stage. So that's what matters there. Um yeah. So that, I guess that gives us a breakdown or it gives people a breakdown. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm a father of one. Um, my, my wife and I, we just have one, uh, five month old kid. So trying to squeeze in training and riding and all that stuff is, is always a challenge, but, um, hopefully we can provide some valuable context. Cause I'm sure there's some fathers listening and some people that aren't fathers at all. So, um, we'll give you a little bit of everything. So what do we want to do with a podcast to give people an idea of what they should expect? Uh, what? What type of things do you want to talk about or do with the podcast even? Well, I think uh, talking about relevant news in the mountain biking world, not so much just the cross-country side, but just a broad spectrum with our input 
in our experiences. Yeah. Um, I think giving people our views on product, mm. on yeah. um, how to certain riding techniques, certain maintenance techniques. Yeah, because you're a good mechanic, good rider. Um, I'm a decent rider in terms of technicality. Uh, and, and then on the training side, I could... We could all, we, you know, we definitely have our bases covered on info. Yeah. We could nerd out in different ways. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's really the kind of the, the, the impetus for this whole thing. You and I have a lot of nerdy conversations, bike nerdy conversations that we felt like could be valuable. And that's kind of where this whole idea started was our conversations going to and from rides. We just love to hear ourselves talk. So we wanted to help other people hear that too. Um, (laughs) uh, but, uh, one thing about this too, we want to, we're going to be doing a good amount of, uh, trips and preparing for different races or going to different races. And, um, we have a lot of, uh, good friends and we have friends in high places in this, in this industry. So, we can, uh, yeah, we can get a lot of information too from some cool people. So I'm a Yeti ambassador too. I should have uh, said that earlier, but I'm a Yeti ambassador too uh, with Steven here. So really cool stuff. So features with individuals, features at races, um, about trips, about riding areas and us giving our thoughts on them and, and everything else. We'll be sharing all that through the podcast. So it should be pretty good. And we're going to try to kind of follow a format where we talk about the news of what's going on then we kind of get into the main point of what we're doing. And then we share some things that are just interesting to us or our product picks or whatever else we want to do at that time. And um, it'll be all unsolicited, mind you. We're not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and also there's a big part of this is about you guys. So you tell us what you want to hear. And then we'll be talking about that within reason. Of course, um, if you're way off mark, of course you don't want to talk about that, but you can get a hold of us. You just go to mtbpodcast.com. Or you can find us at MTB Podcast on Instagram or the MTB Podcast on Twitter, and uh, you know, let us know what you want to hear or what you think. And uh, if you have questions for certain people, or you want us to talk to certain people, or you want information on a specific type of riding mechanic, uh, work, or whatever else it may be, we'll get to the bottom of it for you guys too. So let's get into some news, though. Let's do it right off the bat. Uh, Troy Brosnan left Specialized or Specialized in. Troy parted ways. Yes. As I said, right? Let's say that. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I have a little bit of distaste for specialized as a company. <laughs> it's it's kind of a running joke. Biking aside. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say that the video that they put out saying farewell was It was awesome. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It was awesome. That was really classy of them. Also, it was really well done. Yes. And it was cool to just hear Troy walk through. I knew that. I mean, obviously his highlights have been his junior world champs, Yeah, but I didn't realize quite how meaningful those were to him still. And you could tell when he was talking about it. Well, I think you can you really know? tell in, in his riding style, he's never let go of that. I'm here to ride bikes and have fun. Like, yes, I want to win, but he even says it right in the video that that's what he's there for. He's there to have fun. Dude's fast too. He's fast. I mean, clearly he's fast. He's one of the best. And he, this year he said a number of times where he, he was fastest qualifier and, so I mean, yeah, he's he's fast, but at the same time, the way he rides, it's pretty rad. It is. He's it a charger. He's definitely a charger. The way yeah. he pedals off some of the jumps, I'm just like nuts. No, I I don't think I could do this. <laughs> he's crazy, man. Yeah. So really fun rider to watch. It's crazy to see him split. So who does Specialized have now? They have Loic Bruni on the DH side. Um, they have Loic Bruni. Yeah. Um, who else do they have? Is that is it all eggs in one basket now? I drawn a blank right now. Yeah, I think that might be it. I think all they have is Loic, but we, we could be wrong there. Just the same, 
people are saying that Troy's going to Canyon, but that's kind of a rumor. We don't know if that's that's really fact. Where where do you think he'd fit in best? Honestly, I think somebody like I think Canyon um, honestly is a good spot for him. He's definitely he almost has a mentality where he'd fit in with I think Syndicate. He could actually that's fit what in I was with thinking. Special or with uh, Santa Cruz. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I could totally see him getting along well with those guys. And his and Bryceland's still on Syndicate, I assume. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if Bryceland could go anywhere else, man. Bryceland's Rat Boy's Rat Boy. Yeah. And I don't think he's allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And Syndicate will let him be Rat Boy wherever he is. So there there was Vergier who was with um with Specialized. But I don't know if he's still with them. So I know that he has, his contract was up. So that'll be interesting to see. But and he that dude's pretty crazy and 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 definitely rides at the at the ragged edge just like Brosnan does. But anyways, Brosnan, one of the fastest dudes, he's he's left specialized. Gwyn left specialized before that. I know like the going kind of the the what people are talking about is like nobody wants to ride that demo or nobody wants to ride for specialized. And I granted like all biases aside, I don't think that that's the the reason that they do, they don't want to ride that bike. No, I mean if Gwyn found yeah. a way to win on yeah. that bike, he did just fine on that bike. He did, <laughs> yeah, with he an did. air shock. Yeah, he did fantastic. So I think I think that a lot of us people we buy into the whole endorsement thing a little too much. Sometimes we forget that a lot of this is just about dollars and cents. Really, it is. You know, like these guys are making a living. Like, w- would you turn down a promotion, or would you turn down you know a raise or anything? No, you wouldn't. So. Yeah. You know, or would, if somebody's going to give you less money, but somebody else is offering to maintain your salary, of course you'd go there. So, you know, I I, I don't know if that's his motives in this case, but it's going to be crazy to see him on something else because he was specialized head to toe, like helmet, socks, probably even his base layer. Goodness gracious, he was like full on specialized. So it'll be a big change for him. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. On that on that note, do you th- who do you think is going to take? the the world champion or I shouldn't say world championship but world cup this year downhill you know I think honestly as as Gwyn figures out the YT I think that's going to be an interesting one to look at I think he's going to be good this year and uh, granted we're both Americans so like saying that probably sounds like duh, of course they'd say that but and Danny Hart did pick up I mean it was amazing watching him at the end of the year super good and Danny Hart has like this insane talent uh, but. I don't know, man, that Gwen, that was first year on a bike. First year on a bike. Totally unique bike to what he was riding. Yeah. And you also have to remember that. Yeah. I think, I think Gwen's going to be, I think tires aside, YT aside, I think he's, I think he's got. Yeah. A potential this year. Yeah. Dude's a beast. Um, the next thing that I saw was the 2017 Vita MTB series, which was, I thought it was cool and we should include it here, but basically it's a, it's like a tour of clinics. They're one day clinics that are put on by the, the Yeti Bettys. Yes. And it's pretty rad because it's f- all girls and it's folk are all women. And it's focused on, on, I guess, building skills and confidence on trails, but it's all coming from women for women focused on that. Exactly. So they're definitely like unique challenges. And I know riding with my wife, whenever I ride with her and I just tell her, yeah, it's easy. Just do it. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't compute. No, no, usually. it doesn't compute. And it doesn't, and it isn't coming from the best source. Right. So 
I thought it was a pretty cool thing. They're going all over the Rockies too. At the very least, they're just going to rad locations. Yeah. Like, I mean, all the way from Sedona. Oh well, yeah. They've got, I think Sedona the first of the year, right after yeah. New Year's. Yeah. Sedona or uh, yeah, no, Sedona's March 4th. Oh, yeah. which is going to be rad. Then Valmont bike park on May 20th. That's in Boulder, which if I swear, I wish, I wish we had something like that. I've, I've been to Valmont, not ridden it. Actually, I didn't have a, a bike, unfortunately, but I was there for work. And checked it out. It's an amazing place. It's pretty rad. So we don't have any bike parks like that here in Reno. No. We need them dreadfully. So uh, the Betty Bike Bash is on June 3rd. And I think that one is up. Um, that's in, oh gosh, I, I'll check right now. But the, after that, they go to Trestles or Trestle Bike Park. Then uh, they go to uh, the Yeti Tribe Gathering. They go all over the place. In other words, um, they've got spots all through the Rockies. Pretty rad. That would be a cool time. So, um, yeah, that's a cool thing. And I wanted to give some props. Anything that helps out, like women's mountain biking and cycling, we should cover for sure, I think, in this podcast. And, guys, if you're rolling your eyes, just remember that your better half, if not now, someday, is is definitely coming from the other side, from the other gender. So you better start saving your money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's get into, and then the other thing that I saw was uh, pink bike. They did a review on the five, five. And I thought this was interesting because Steven, you ride a five, five, right? I do. Yeah. 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 So, um, their thoughts overall on the bike, like, I feel like it was vanilla. Like they're just like, yeah, it's good. It goes down well. It doesn't climb as good as we thought that it would climb, which we both kind of disagree with. Perhaps it's a bike setup thing. But I, I think a lot of it does have to do with bike setup. Um, one of the things I noticed out of the gate was that it climbed exceptionally well. Yeah. In fact, I instantly started PRing climbs that I had done dozens of times on my SB6 right. prior. Right. Um, I also noticed that the descending was a little bit rough. It was, you know, compression damping wasn't as good as I thought it should be. I thought it was a little bit too stiff. And so in talking with the guys at Fox, I find find out that the Floatex Evol that they put on that 5.5 in 2016, at least, for the few that did get produced, they were putting a, a firm plus or an extra firm plus uh, uh, shim stack in the compression damper. And I thought that that was a little bit, that should make the bike feel more harsh, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's basically what it would feel like to put into layman's terms. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it feels like on the compression as you're hitting, you know, as you're hitting some sort of obstacle. Yeah. And so I felt that it was a little bit um, too stiff all, Mm. all the time. And I just couldn't keep rear traction on high speed technical descents. I was, you know, rear end bouncing all over the place and it just felt just not good. The mid stroke was just too stiff. Yeah. Uh, So I ended up actually putting the DHX2, uh, with the four-way adjustable, you know, dual high-speed and low-speed compression and rebound, and I set it up super soft. And that's a coil shock. And that's a coil shock, yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's an oddball size, too. Um, put a 550 spring on it, which is exactly what it called for for my weight, and I ended up dialing the compression and rebound. Compression was super soft. Uh, rebound was actually pretty fast because I like to party, apparently. <laughs> and uh, and I'll tell you what, it, it completely changed the bike. In fact, at that point, I had to do a ton of tuning on the fork to get the fork, the 36RC2. To liven up. A to bit. liven up and yeah. feel like the rear. Yeah. And I have to say, this is probably, you know, with the climb switch on that DHX2, it turns to a hardtail, so it climbs better than anything out there. Most of the, most of the time, I don't even use it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the descents are just ridiculously plush now. Yeah. I have no qualms with that bike anymore. Um, in fact, 
I'm faster on it than I was ever on my SB6. Yeah, and other than a bottle cage inside the front triangle, which I totally get, I would love to have one inside the front triangle on that bike. Um, but just the, sh- the design, it doesn't work that way, right? There's no room. Yeti life, man. No room. Yeah, that's that's we it. like dirt in our water. Yeah, yeah. So it's a down seat mounted bottle. They didn't like that. And then they didn't like the two things that you said, um, which is that it felt like going down, that it was a little harsh. But above all, they said that it, like climbing, they said it just didn't feel quite as lively as they wanted or something. So, yeah. but yeah, so you'd. I think that you did something that most people would never think of doing, putting the coil on there, but it actually worked out really well. And I think a Float X2 would also net the same benefits. Mm. Um, being that it's a the Switch Infinity is a progressive design, you don't necessarily need the progression of an air shock. Right. A coil will work perfectly fine. Yep. And when I ended up doing this DHX2 was during you know Float X gate when people were using them as hand grenades or whatever was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I ended up with a coil because they just simply wouldn't give me uh, a float X2. Yeah. And it turned out to be the best choice that I could have made. Huh, that's cool. But yeah, so and they did a a pretty fair Mike Casimir did the did the test. He's he's good. That dude knows what he's doing and it's a pretty cool review. So any reviews like that that stand out to us or that stand out to you, let us know. And if we have some experience on them, because we've ridden a good amount of bikes. So if we have some experience on them, we can share our thoughts. The I know for me the five five feels like a freaking monster truck. Like I, I, every time I go through, and I've only ridden yours, um, but when I go through anything, after I go through that thing, I think I could have gone faster through that thing. <laughs> that's just, that's the same. And then I go back and I go a little bit faster and I have the same thought over and over. It's just like, it's a bike that inspires confidence. Absolutely. Um, and I, my daily driver is a Yeti ASRC and it's very well done up. You can check it out on my YouTube channel. I have like a full video on, on the build and everything else, but uh, pre dropper post and a few other things, I got it down to 20 pounds light XC bike and it's, you know, all envy everything. And it's got an RS one. It's all super fancy. Uh, but still that bike, the five, five, I, I was shocked at how well it climbed even compared to my ASR, even at the 27 and a half pounds yep. that mine weighs. Yeah. And that's honestly partially that switch infinity system. Cause my ASR just has a modified single pivot. It's good. Yeah. And it's great for XC. Honestly, it's really good because you don't want to just have a hard tail for XC, like a really you know harsh feeling in the back, and uh, you want some compliance in there, and it's really good with that. But I was blown away. That five five climbs really well for what it is. So yeah. Anyways, thought it was an interesting review. Uh, the other, the last thing I wanted to cover. And I know this sounds like we're just pumping up Yeti stuff, but we're just, not really. Just we just happened this. to be just now, and I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I just realized looking at this, but we'll promise to be not as you know. I guess in part talk about an evil or something for a minute. They're sweet. They are nice bikes. They are sweet bikes. Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine had, what's the 27.5 long travel one? The insurgent insurgent. My friend had that one built it up to the nines and he didn't like it strangely enough, but everybody I talked to that did ride it, they seemed like they loved it. So they're sweet bikes. Everybody I know with the reckoning says other than being a little heavier than the Yeti, it's an amazing descender. Yeah. And it's a decent climber. They're sweet. Yeah. No, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Cool company too. Yeah. Pretty rad. Um, but the, the last thing, and once again, sorry, this is making it seem like it's all a Yeti, Yeti podcast. Plug. We won't do this later on, I promise you uh, I promise you guys, but unless just Yeti has good news like this stuff and it's in the news, but Nate Hills, uh, he has his Follow Cam Friday series, and if you haven't seen it, you can check out his YouTube channel. It's pretty sweet uh, because he rides trails better than all of us pretty much can, at least in my case, yeah. certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like watching that and pretending that I could go fast. And he did one... It's called Pipe Dream Moab and with uh, Kyle Mears. 
that thing, that trail looks incredible. It does. It definitely looked like a fun trail and the way they were riding it in the, the follow cam video was just all kinds of playful and fun. Like yeah, my style cool of riding. Like, so I have a lot of gripes with Moab and part of that is because on it, strangely enough, you'd think coming from a moto background, technicality would be my deal, but speed is my deal. I love speed. If you give me more speed on a bike, then I'm much more comfortable. If you slow me down and make it technical and like, you know, rocky or big drops or anything else like that, that's where I get out of my element pretty quick. So it's that being said, it's pretty understandable why I say I have my gripes about Moab, right? Of course. It's it's a lot of different type of riding. But when you watch them ride these trails, it opens up your eyes to the different opportunities that you like how you could ride that trail. Of course. It's pretty rad. Yeah. I like watching it. So um that was a really cool one. And he has a bunch from the Moab area that he posted up last year. And uh, he'll have some more, but, um, and there might even be a chance that we get Nate out here to Tahoe this year and we could be recording some stuff with him. Maybe he'll come back for the TDS this year again. That'd be sweet. And we'll get to talk to him there. The TDS Enduro. Yes. Yeah. Which is a sweet event. That one happens. It's here in the Sierra and it's in April and it's by Nevada city, California, grass Valley area. Um, pretty rad, pretty cult following WTB Cannondale and SRAM. And you made, you made pink bike. On it uh, I this year. Did. My yeah. crazy jujitsu <laughs> salsa yoga, dancer. Salsa dancing <laughs> save. If you go yeah. back to if you look up TDS Enduro and you look through like the the pictures, you'll see a guy that looks like he's dancing with his bike over his head while he's on like one knee on in, the ground. In Yeti gear. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's Steven and somehow pulling out a near death experience. So um so yeah, but it's hopefully he comes out. That'd be cool. And we could get some rad shots uh here in Tahoe, but, uh, the main thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's going to be a little shorter since this is our first podcast, but a little light on material, a little light. Yeah. But, um, the first thing I wanted to talk about, I saw that MTBR was posting their 2016, like product of, or, you know, anything of the year awards that they're doing. And they had a few things. So, or just two things posted, but they'll be posting more. So it'll be interesting. Um, MTBR is a good resource, but Steven and I are, we're better resources, maybe, maybe not, but no. just the same. Let's give our thoughts on this. So they said the best of 2016, they said the winner for the best rider of 2016 was Nino Schurter. Your thoughts, Steven, this is mountain biker in general, right? I have to agree because that guy's got a lot of talent. Guy's amazing. And he's fast and he's just, smooth and you can put him on any bike on any terrain and he's going to be fast. He can throw a rad whip with his seat all the way up too. Yeah. I don't even want to like think about that personally. (laughs) Yeah. He's amazing. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't deny too. I mean, he got his world championship and he got Olympic gold. He didn't get the world cup title, but he got the other two. Uh, and I mean, that totally makes sense. He's, you know, peaking for Rio I guess if I were to see anybody that, that challenged that, I would just say Richie rude. I mean, I'm trying to think of another rider that was as dominant, you know, there really wasn't, there wasn't no. And that that's the one thing. Whereas, I mean, sure still, I think that Nino should get it. Um, but he wasn't as dominant as Richie rude. I mean, he did lose a decent amount of world cups this year compared to previous years. We're used to Nino running away with everything except for maybe one race. Very true. But maybe that's not indicative of his talent. That's indicative of his competition. Yeah. Ellen, honestly, like Absalom was really good this year for a while. And then we had some other, you know, a bunch of people were strong cause it was an Olympic year. Yeah. 
but also Nino's goal was not to win every race. His, his goal was just to win Rio. That's all he cared about. And that's the nature of training. You, you have to, especially when you're at that level, you have to be okay with trending your fitness downward for a period of time. So it's all about periodizing that and bringing it up to a peak when it matters and then letting it drop. And it sucks because you get beat and you know that you could be better, but you just let it happen. So I like riding bikes. Yes. <laughs> Back to that. Um, <laughs> the next thing that they said, uh, they said the runner up was Rachel Atherton. I just realized she, I think was more dominant than even Scherter in terms of like wins. I agree. Um, what's with that, man? She is like, she's next level. She is. I honestly, I think Rachel Atherton is getting to that. Um, uh, like they just said, I mean, with, you know, with, with Anne, she's right there. She's now in her prime. I think she's, she is yeah. the up and coming finally. When I, when I look at her riding compared to the other females, I don't see, I mean, I do see more aggression. I think I see more strength because she doesn't seem to get as out of shape maybe. Uh, and, and not, I'm saying out of shape as in like obstacles or ruts, rocks, whatever else it is. It, is, it, it doesn't seem to throw her off yeah. as much. So maybe it's more strength, but what do you, what is she better at? I really think that, you know, with her brothers, I think she's, you know, been training harder and learning more technical riding, more ability to improvise. I think that's where she is. When she gets offline, she doesn't go sideways like some of the others do. I think she stays very, I guess, pointed and she's, just very, she's better at technical riding at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause when man on carpenter was close to her a few times, she, she was closer, but it looked ragged, you know, like she was really pushing and earning it. But at the same time, Rachel just looks so much more composed, you yes. know, like within herself. Yeah. So, and you mentioned her brothers. I mean, G definitely is, you know, G always grabs headlines, but Dan is an absolute beast. Yeah. He's, he's inhuman. I mean, you so. look at his hardline videos and people still just post that every single Amazing. day. It's, it's ridiculous how talented yeah. that family is. Yeah. So she has, she has, I mean, good blood, good genes, so to speak there, but she pants, yeah, good, good pants, great pants. But she also has, she has, like you said, that association. I wonder if the other, her competitors, the other female top female world cup DH racers, if they ride with guys as often, you know, the, the DH guys like at that level, I doubt it. You know, I don't maybe, know. Maybe they do. You think know. they'd have to with a team. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that's, you know, uh, Adrian Schneider, who's a masters UCI world's downhill racer is a friend of mine. And she likes to train with me and train with other riders and other male riders Yeah, because it gives her a different perspective. You know, she sees girls are a little bit more timid typically. Right. And not she, necessarily, but typically, typically. Yeah. Right. I don't want to speak in superlatives, but typically right. that is the case. So she wants to ride with somebody who's just going to charge harder and give her a different perspective than she would normally have Yeah, on yeah. a line or on a section of trail or anything. Yeah. And, and one thing that G is known for amongst the rest of the other guys is G has good fitness. He works really hard at that. And I know Rachel is, I'm sure right there along with him working on that. And she always, you know, she, she works hard the whole way down, but definitely you can tell she's pedaling when the other, uh, when her competitors might have to take a seat, you yeah. know, and, and coast for a bit and she keeps going. So, and she's putting in, you know, one extra pedal stroke or two or even a half. Right. And that at the end of the day, four or five minutes, that makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's how you're getting sometimes. And she wins, but I think she, uh, she won like 12 seconds this year. It's just, yeah, she's, 
she's in a league of her own. Their their um, honorable mention went to Brandon Semenuk, which I guess on the non racing side, yeah, the guy was unreal this year. <laughs> uh, get it? Yeah, that was uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, geez. I didn't mean that. Yeah, I just realized after <laughs> I apologize okay. for the pun. He really um, was unreal. He was. Yeah that that segment came out. Was did that come out this year? Or the year before. Year before. But year still. before. Um, he had that one segment that was the, the one cut where he rode on two different bikes down that one line, that flow line all the way down. That was pretty sweet. That was amazing. Um, then he had, I mean, if not for a, he destroyed the competition this year and all the events, yeah. but if just his raw videos that he put out this year, those are enough to win an honorable mention, if not rider of the year, they were amazing. They were, he's, he's got like, um, Pastrana always talks about your aerial awareness and some people have it and some people don't. He has a Travis Pastrana has a cousin named and they call him special Greg. And he's like, he looks, he's like chiseled like a Greek God and like, doesn't has never ridden bikes or anything else. And he picks up a bike and just does things perfectly. Right. And this guy is just like natural at everything. He just, whatever he picks up, he's super good at. And he has incredible aerial awareness. Like he was doing, um, Gosh, I can't remember the name name of it, but basically he does a back flip 360 while his BMX bike continues in the air normally. Then he grabs the seat, the seat like a Superman seat grab and then goes back on. So like crazy move, right? And he was doing that before the top BMX riders were doing that. Just crazy. And that's something that Semenuk has though. Yeah. He has this like ability to, this awareness of his bike and where he's at in relation to it. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, his run at Crankworks was absurd. I was blown away, uh, putting that together. Rampage, same thing. Gnarliest drop in. I think that I've ever seen at that event for sure. So yeah, I think that's justified. The The only other one that they've put out is best tires. And this one will be a little quicker. Um, so they said best tires. MTBR said number one was the Maxis minion. Steven, you're, uh, I'm running a minion this year on my enduro wheel set that I have for my ASR, which believe it or not, it's actually a decent little enduro bike for smoother enduros. Um, I like it, but you've ridden a bunch of different tires and you just started running the minion this year. Thoughts? Uh, I love the DHF three C on the front of my five, five. Yeah. I go back and forth between the minion SS silkworm and the minion DHR two, depending on what, you know, terrain I'm the SS riding. is the one with the tiny knobs across the top, the semi slick, semi slick. And, um, then on the side, on the edge, the side knobs are it's got are the tall. same knobs as the DHF and DHR two. So it really matches cornering capabilities with just a ridiculous rolling resistance. Right, so it rolls quick. Uh, so very fast tire combination. Love it. It's hard to beat the Maxis EXOs in protection for weight. Yeah. You can yeah. always beat them in protection, but you're going to end up being heavy heavy, especially on a 29 inch wheel. Like I'm running now, dude, those tires are heavy when yeah. you're running a 29. That's something that a lot of people don't remember when you jump up in that size, your tires are getting heavy, man. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I had to rethink, rethink my love of WTB tires for racing. Right. 27.5. It didn't make a huge difference, but now we're talking, you know, 300 grams on the front and nearly 50 yeah. on the rear. So that's, three quarters of a pound. Yeah. And then I half think, a pound. Roughly. I think I shaved uh, when I first built my 5.5, five, I put a Vigilante 2.3 high grip, yeah. tough high grip, and a Trail Boss 2.25 tough fast in the rear. Yeah. And then I switched to the Maxxis combination with an SS in the rear, and I shaved 1.06 pounds off the bike. That's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, and I haven't slashed a single Minion tire yet. That's impressive. Yeah. Except for Mammoth. 
but that doesn't count. Yeah, Mammoth doesn't. Yeah, Mammoth breaks all the rules. Yeah, because that was Kamikaze games. So yeah. that's yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> um, I I love the Minion. Now we don't live in a particularly muddy area. No, I don't know how it sheds mud, um, but it's in dry or normal conditions, non muddy conditions. It's amazing. Great. So. Thing gives you a bunch of confidence. It doesn't have like an empty drift zone in it when you're leaning it over, like a lot of tires do when you transition from center knobs over to the, or like to the, the high side roller knobs. two or the ardent. Yep. Yeah. The ardent, the ardent is like a, I will say, except for the race. Yeah. I will give you the, the ardent, race. the ardent race for XC is the tire that most XC guys should be on, but they're actually on the Ma- Maxis icon because people don't open their eyes and try something different. But the ardent race, I like dramatically more, like significantly more than the icon it's better at gripping it has much better like when you lean the tire over you get a much more confident feel it's just better all around um but also the the ardent in the rear on my enduro wheel set right now i have the minion dhf up front and then i have ardent in the rear just normal ardent and it makes for a fun rear tire i don't think it's necessarily fast in terms of like it'll get you to the bottom of the hill fastest because you get a little drifty with it but that drift zone that sucks when you have it on the front because when you lean it over from the center knobs over to the side there's like an empty space good old quarter inch of drift yeah and you just drift for a while then you catch the side knobs and which is terribly unnerving but in the back it's actually kind of fun exactly because you can without using the brakes or anything else you can just make that back end come around it's pretty sweet so um, but if, once again, I wouldn't run it if I was really going for time down something. Uh, and that was my main, main opinion. After that, they said the Vittoria Morsa. Have you ever ran the Vittoria? I have so. not. Uh, the shop that I used to manage was a Vittoria dealer. And hmm. I do have to say that uh, everybody that I have put them on has loved the the Morsa and the Borzo. Yeah. Um, a friend of ours, Teal Stetson Lee, she is sponsored by Vittoria and runs these tires and loves them. Yeah. She ran EWS, both of the South American ones on this tire. Yeah. Never had an issue. They're not terribly heavy. Yeah. Um, I think for the price though, they're a phenomenal tire. They have some good XC tires too. They do. Um, yeah. I know that uh, some of the guys that... The Mezcal? Yep. The Mezcal is like one that a lot of guys swear by. Yeah. So... Um, it's a little, it's more, it's slightly more aggressive than a, than like an icon yeah. uh, or something like it's that. It's almost an ardent really is yep. what I really equate that tire to. Yep. Or even Mavic's like uh, the quest, yeah. the Crossmax quest tire is very similar. Yeah. They make good tires, good tires on the road too, yeah. but nobody that's listening to this cares about road. Yeah, Maybe exactly. they do. Road. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I do, I do some road racing, so I'll admit that. Um, honorable mention goes to WTB Convict. And that's one that you've ran? Yes. It's I, a gnarly tire. I ran this tire before it technically came out. Yeah. And just like they said, it's overkill in virtually every scenario. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a dirt bike tire. But it's a great tire. As a yeah. front tire, it it actually doesn't roll terrible. It's very similar to, um, I would give it a very similar rolling characteristics to a DHF, maybe a little worse. Right. But it's also a really heavy tire and only available in a 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of gnarly. Um so yeah, that's what MTBR says. So keep your eye out. I'm sure they're going to have more like year picks. But um, Stephen, if you were to pick your tire of choice, which one would you pick front and rear right now for enduro riding? Can I be honest? Yeah. Uh, Mavic Charge XL front. Yeah. Quest XL rear. Sub thousand gram in 29er. Two ply 66 TPI casing. Indestructible tires and one of the softest rubbers that I've ever felt on any tire. It's like a 40 a durometer 
on the sidewalls. They're like gummy bears. They stick to anything. You'll rip through them quick. You're like a day and a half. Yeah. I, I think I did uh, last year at the TDS Enduro, I did practice day. And by the end of Saturday's racing, the tires were trashed. <laughs> but they probably gripped great. They gripped really well yeah. until there yeah. was nothing left to grip. Yeah. And then they needed to be replaced. Great yeah. tires. And they're probably some of the lightest out there. Huh. Yeah, so back in the, my moto days, I used to get to, or I got to run a few sets of Dunlop spec tires. And their spec tires are the ones that they give to race teams. And even though it says like MX51 on the side of Chad Reed's tire, and it's not. And it says that on the side of your tire, it is not the same tire. Nope. And I would run through those tires so fast. Like we're talking in a week, I would be through a dirt bike tire, but well, actually less than a week on those. So much less than a week. So. It, but the grip was incredible. So, and at the, I would justify whenever I could get my hands on that and it was expensive, but whenever I could, I would justify it in saying, well, if I slide out, who knows what I, what type of damage I could do that would cost money on the bike. Better to be safe than sorry. Better to be safe than sorry. Right. So, yeah. um, for XC racing, I just already gave out my pick. It's the ardent race, um, up front and rear. Front and rear. Both of them are awesome. It rolls really well. This isn't a scientific roll down test but I rode up to 15 miles an hour, which out West is an average high average speed for an XC race. Yes. But just the same, it's not too far off of some like a kamikaze games, anything up there at mammoth, it's going to be pretty similar to that. Um, I rolled up to 15 and then I just stopped or then I stopped pedaling at the same spot and coasted down. And I got four out of four times. I got further roll down, not by much, but we're talking like three bike lengths on the ardent race and did the icon. So I guess that's about as scientific as a roll down test I want to do. Yeah. And it rolls just fine and it grips way better. So yeah, ardent race. And, uh, I run, they, it comes in a 2.2 2 up front. Yes, two, two. Yeah. And that's what I run up uh, front and rear. So two, two, I think it, I'd like to go wider at some point, but like I a two, three front and a two, two rear would be nice. That'd be ideal. Yeah. yeah but they don't make it. So yeah. And, and really, so quick aside, the, and I get, I get weight, weight makes sense, but I'd see everybody saying that like now a narrow wheel is an XC wheel, a mid fat wheel or like a, or slightly wider internal width, like a 26 or something or 25, that's going to be your enduro wheel. And then like wider is your downhill wheel. They're trying to like tie in like rim widths to just the disciplines. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the best thing. I think that XC especially could benefit from having wider rims. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And yeah. and it doesn't have anything to do with having a bigger tire either. It has to do, you know, doing what Maxis is doing with their wide tread series, uh, bringing the tread a little bit down the sidewall better so you can run yeah. lower pressure and not have to worry about pinch flats. I think uh, XC can benefit dramatically from that. The yeah. problem is the, the actual physicalities of it. How are you going to get a wider rim to weigh 1300 grams That's is a complete part. wheel. So wait, yeah. even with, you know, envy, you know, you look at the M sixty forty high volumes at 28 internal width, they're still a 1490 gram or 15. I think they're 15. They're almost 1600. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, my M 70 high volumes on my five, five all set up with boost and two forty S hubs. They're 1575. I think. Yep. So you're not going to shave much weight. You're not going to be able to have that light of a wheel right. and make it that wide. Yeah, we just have to somehow make some advances in carbon tech or something like that to be able to drop down the weight there with the width. But 
it'd be awesome because it lets you run lower temp or lower uh, pressure in your tires too, which is huge for XC racing. I know for me, like I run 19 pounds in the front and then 21 pounds in the rear, usually, uh, depending on the circumstances. And that is like, that makes such a difference uh, when you're talking about rolling over small rocks or anything else like that. It allows you to keep your momentum rather than transferring that energy into upward motion. Right. Yeah. Uh, it really helps so much when you're rolling over that stuff. So wider tires would help, but anyways, off of that, the next part is going to be an empty section and we need your help on the next, sh- on the next show. So basically this will be the questions area. You can send in questions and we'll answer, uh, some of them. We may not answer all of them. That can be pretty tough, but if you have, any type of questions, then you can send them in to us and we'll answer them there and we'll end off with our picks. And these are just like basically things that we like right now or things that are interesting to us right now. So for me, this is going to come out of left field for mountain bikers. Totally. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> but yeah. I showed these to Steven when he came over tonight. Um, I, so I do, a, I do a good amount of indoor training, of course, with trainer road, they're an indoor cycling tool, but uh, also outdoor too. But I do a good amount of indoor training and it was 15 degrees yesterday morning. Well, yeah. So Fahrenheit, I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, that's a valid point. But at the same time, I honestly think that the trainer is always a crappy plan B for bad weather because bad weather just harsh our mellow and we just want to ride our bikes. True. But I think that the trainer is a good plan a for a structured workout. True. Cause for me, there's no better way to ruin my mountain bike ride than to think, oh man, I need to squeeze in intervals somehow on this trail. Like, Very true. And also it makes you un you can't ride with other people that way. Yeah. Or if you do, you're just you're putting you're burdening them. So I do my training indoors. And honestly, like 30 to 60 minutes, if your workouts, if that's all you need to do, 30 to 60 minutes, you can get in like a serious amount of structure get it done 30 minutes and then you can be out the door and do whatever you want. Isn't right? that about how long most of the trainer road workouts <laughs> yes, are? Yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds that. promotional. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> um, really just basically the point is like the amount of time that you put into like structured interval work. If you did something outside is probably going to be 30 to 60 or 30 to 60 minutes on a good day. Yeah. Right. It's probably going to be less just because the nature of trails or traffic, if you're on the road, whatever it is. So in this case, um, yeah, that's why I do my indoor training. And I think more mountain bikers should do indoor training, but not be, and not dread it because, oh, this sucks. I want to be outside. Don't even think that just, if you want to get faster on the bike or you don't want to suck and be slow and slow down all your friends whenever it turns uphill, don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't be that guy. Just put in a simple amount of work on it. It can be a crappy trainer and it Absolutely. works. So anyways, rant over. Yeah. Uh, the thing, my pick for this week thing. there. Yeah. The thing. It's Elite's. Uh, Elite is an Italian company. I've never been a huge fan of the stuff they've made in the past, but they have a new trainer out that's really fancy, really nice, called the Drevo. But the thing I'm riding that I'm loving is called their uh, Quick Motion Rollers, and they look like Fisher Price toys when they, I got them. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and I was worried. I even told you, Stephen, I was pretty worried. They looked not great. And I thought um, you were going to break them when you picked them up. I know, right? Uh, they they fold up really compact. They've got plastic rollers on them. And so you can, the cool part about this, it's adjustable length too. So you can put your mountain bike on them. You can put whatever you want on them and it's going to be just fine. And I've ridden my ASRC on it and the noise isn't bad. It's much quieter than an aluminum drum one, which is nice. Uh, but the cool part is they've, they're the whole thing. The, the rollers are on like a boom rack. So like basically what that means is that like they, the rollers are spring loaded to move slightly fore and aft. 
when you're riding so that that way when you're riding um and you get out of the saddle or you're just shifting around on the saddle on normal rollers that usually really makes you get sketchy because they don't move at all but you're moving and in this case the rollers actually shift on the ground it's actually makes things extremely stable so they're pretty cool they're quiet they're portable they're light and they work really well for mountain bikes because using a mountain bike on a trainer is usually pretty tough and extremely loud absolutely that's my pick What's your pick, Steven? So my pick, a few weeks ago, I was introduced to a company out of Santa Cruz called Supacaz. Mm -hmm. And I'm really particular about everything on my bike. Yeah. And you know that. And everybody who knows me knows that. Yeah. We're we're both pretty particular. In fact, most people think that I'm anal about my stuff, and I just tell them, wait until you meet Steven. Yeah, I'm worse. Yeah. Uh, So one of the things that I'm very particular about is on my cyclocross bike is grip tape and grips on the mountain bike. I will try a set of grips on my mountain bike for a day and hate them and just give them to someone because I don't like them. Yeah. So I was introduced to Supercaz. I ordered some of their product. Uh, I put their orange star fade. Uh, It's very similar to Lizard Skin's DSP grip tape. Yeah, which their, their bar tape... Um, which let's just come out with the elephant in the room. You have a cyclocross bike that you're talking about. I do, here. but it's not yeah. a road bike, so yeah. I'm better than <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have a cyclocross bike too, and a road bike. Um, but we both ride cross. Uh it's it is a joke. It's it's awesome and it's freaking hard as yeah. well. And mountain bikers should do it, I think, because it totally fits like the the mountain bike vibe a whole lot more. Yeah, absolutely, it's a party, and it's yeah, it's it's putt putt for, for of like riding bicycles. It's the mini golf it is of the bicycles. Mini golf. You yeah. got to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And if yeah. you embrace it and roll with it, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. They do need to give us like loop de loops though, and like a little haunted mansion that we go into and we pop out somewhere else. Like it needs to be like a full putt putt course. Seriously, yeah. yeah, flaming hoops to jump through the whole deal. Might as well just make it a circus. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Animal, Sorry, continue. Farm animals yeah, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue with your bar tape. So their bar tape is very similar in tackiness to the Lizard Skins DSP, but it's fully cleanable. Mm. As soon as you look at Lizard Skins products, they're filthy. Yeah. And I've always hated that, and they seem to wear out. Do fast. you use Simple Green to clean them, or what do you use? No, I just use a tiny bit of Windex. Yeah, it works just fine. And it just wipes right off and is clean. Now, the funny thing is with the Supercaz, hasn't even gotten dirty yet, and I've probably put 150 miles on it. And it's been dirty miles, too. And it's yeah. been dirty miles. It's yeah. been literal, like, I, I mountain bike my cross bike. My cross bike yeah. is typically my rigid mountain bike. Yeah. Uh, because I don't really want to own a hardtail. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So uh, they're... Grip tape is phenomenal. Uh, and I also ended up ordering a set of their grips uh, for the mountain bike. And I ended up getting the bright orange color just to match the SLS spring on my rear shock. Yeah. Just to offset the Yeti turquoise. You know, yeah. turquoise and orange always goes together. Yeah. They actually and, do. And I, I'm I honestly thoroughly impressed with both of those products. Huh. And they're on the, the grips are on the lower end of the spectrum. I think they retail for 24 bucks. That's not bad. And their grip tape is $40, which is probably the second most expensive out there. But phenomenal stuff so far. So huh. I'm just really excited about those two products. Nice. Right now. Yeah, so we're going to have a lot of picks coming up because I don't know if you're going to be building a bike up this year, Stephen. You might be. You, you tend to get yourself into that situation pretty regularly of building a bike up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you've just finished up your cyclocross build. Just finished is, up, yeah. Finished up my Cannondale Super X team. Yeah, and it's done to the nines. It's awesome. 
I've got my ASRC. Like I said, it's done. It's built up to the nines. It's perfect. It's awesome for, for XE, but, um, I'm going to be building up a bike for my wife, which is going to be fun. We're actually going to have a lot of fun with this build. Yeah. It's going to be pretty cool. Cause I think it's going to be, um, so my, my, my bike, all, all our bikes, they're dream builds. Like there isn't a single thing on the bike where it's like, uh, I compromise. There's nothing like that. Everything is absolutely the best we could possibly find and get for our bikes. And with um, my wife's bike, it's going to be along the same lines, but at the same time, it's going to fit her needs. It's not going to be something that's totally, I should say it's going to be perfectly fit for her needs, but it's not going to be a full on crazy expensive build. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's probably going to be a Yeti. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, it is. Um, but it's going to be a pretty sweet build. Yeah. And she doesn't like color on her bike. She just wants it to be everything as black as possible. So that's cool. Um, My soul, they say. Yeah, yeah. But she's going to have, she's going to bring the color with her kit, I guess. So Of course. Um, so we're going to be building up that. And then I may, I'll be building up a Strider for my son. Which That'll be fun. We'll pretty much just be, we'll, we'll paint We'll it. just put it together. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, put, we'll the wheels on. put the wheels on it and it'll be good. <laughs> um, and then I may be building an Enduro bike later on this year. I, I really hope I can. I which just, will be fun. That'll be cool. Yeah, that'll Can't be sweet. Wait. Yeah, and I don't know which one it'll be. Uh, we'll Can see. I believe I said just, uh, I just said that every bike build you're going to do is going to be fun. Yeah. I must like bikes or something. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, so anyways, thanks for joining us. Go to the mtbpodcast.com or forgive me, just mtbpodcast.com. And you can find out more information, listen to the show, find it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can share it there. Leave us a review, please. Five stars, no more, no less. You can't do more, but if you could, we'd ask for more. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And if it's something negative, just send us an email so we can change it. And we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Then you'll give us five stars. We'll make your life better. Yeah, please. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, MTB Podcast on Instagram or the MTB Podcast on Twitter. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.